Of course, we battle on how much of a scoop to But we used to beans. measure it, weigh it. <coughs> now it's about three scoops. Sometimes it's three big scoops, so it's, it's close. Uh, 68 grams. That's, 68. That's, that's exactly. the perfect. Yeah, I think that's, that's way more than we were using, so we need to buy more coffee from yeah. Trent. <laughs> yeah. What's, you just told us that. I'm 68. Can I use 69? I like 69 better. <laughs> 70, no. That's that's a different story entirely. But yeah. My favorite number. That's, of course you go. It always there. tastes good. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to put okay. an explicit on this podcast. Uh, Starting, sustaining, and having a successful small business is hard, but you already knew that. But wouldn't it be great to have a podcast that talks to and digs in to the people who've made it? Problem solved. This is Local Vibes. Small business success stories. We'll talk to successful small business owners from around the country. You'll hear their incredible stories about how they got started and how they thrived and survived online and within their communities. We'll find out their special vibe. Welcome to our show, brought to you by localvibes.us. Let's do this. Now your hosts, Pat and Angie Cherubini. I'm Angie Cherubini, and this is Pat from Local Vibes, and we're back at it again. And today we're back at it with Trent Lundberg from Backroom Coffee Roasters. Is it Coffee Roasters? Is it that is Coffee Roasters? Okay, yep. I got it right. I got yeah. it right. We've known, we've known you. We were trying to figure this out. It's been about four years, yep. I think. Yeah, since uh, that. I think it was the second year of the Horns Hill and Funduro. Yep. Yeah. Well, we we're big. If anybody knows me personally, I'm a big coffee person, <coughs> and so there are there are only a few different coffees that I really really like, and of course, yours is one of my favorites. So you're the only one and we I subscribe to. That's all for sure. the time. It's so. Right in the field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, we got to know Trent at um, at a mountain was mountain, mountain bike race. Yeah, a mountain bike race out in Newark, Ohio, at um, Horns Hill, a big mountain bike race out there. That which our, will make sense when yeah, Trent tells you the story talks, about how you started, you where that. the name came from, and yep. so why don't you do that? Why don't you tell everybody first, you know, about the company, who you are, what you started, do, stuff like that. So Backroom Coffee Roasters um, started literally in the back room of the Trek Bicycle Store in Upper Arlington in 2010. Um, and the whole story was the original, the founders of Backroom, um, Chris and Kara Bishop, they owned all of the Trek uh, stores here in Central Ohio. And they had some empty space in the back room of the Upper Arlington store that was going unused. Um, and Chris uh, was passionate about small batch coffee, about um, distilling his own uh, whiskey, and also brewing his own homebrew beer. And he figured, why not try to make a business out of this? So he invested in a coffee roaster, uh, went to coffee roasting school, and they put a small cafe in the back of the, the Trek store. So when you came to buy a bike or have your bike serviced, you could get a fresh cup of coffee, 
buy a retail bag and um, eventually um, they actually had a sponsored cycling team, Backroom Coffee Roaster Cycling Team, which competed across all different disciplines, road, mountain bike, track, cyclocross. And um, so fast forward a few years, um, they, the couple sold the Trek stores back to Trek Corporate and moved the whole roasting operation up to their residence in Galena, just a few miles down the road from where we are now. We got to be friends uh, through our sons and would go over to their place to socialize. Well, their, their residence had been owned previously by a private pilot who had a grass airstrip on one side of the property. They had this huge airplane hangar that was adjacent to the house where they had the roasting operation. So we'd go over to party and they'd have the, the airplane hangar doors open and you could smell the oh. fresh scent of fresh roasted coffee wafting on the breeze and you'd see all the little retail bags lined up like little soldiers and we just my wife and i we've been coffee lovers for forever and when we discovered backroom and the whole connection we just absolutely fell in love um, and it tied into my other passion cycling so i grew up racing bicycles from the time i was a teenager was inspired by a guy by the name of greg lamond who was the true first pioneer of American cycling over in Europe. He was uh, a, a world champion in 1983. He was the first and to this day the only true American to win the Tour de France in th uh, 1986, 89, and 90. And if you look up over my shoulder here, yeah, we can this see it. is actually uh, Greg LeMond's world championship jersey from 1989. Sweet. Um, and our family uh, used to promote a bike race down in Athens, Ohio called the A to Z Cycling Classic. And in 89 and 90, Greg came and did our event. Um, oh, cool. And in, in 1990, Lance Armstrong uh, came and competed in his first year as a professional cyclist as well. But uh, so it kind of the whole uh, the cycling and the coffee kind of dovetailed nicely and was very appealing to me personally. Um, and my, uh, my wife Melody and I, we had been looking for um, something to invest in. Um, you know, our kids are getting to the age, my son's in college, my daughter, she's a sophomore in high school, but in a couple of years, she's going to be out of the house and we were looking for an investment. Um, and in 2018, Chris Bishop, the husband uh, uh, um, that started Backroom, approached us about um, buying Backroom. Um, they, he had taken a job in Boulder, Colorado and um, was looking to move but not uproot the business. And it, the planets literally were in alignment, fell into place, and we, uh, we, we bought it and, and jumped in off the deep end. Didn't know the first thing about the coffee business, but it was a profitable business. The business came with two employees. There was a, 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 a nice um, supply chain uh, built. There was a steady um, income stream from a number of high profile clients. They had Whole Foods Market, still do. We've got uh, Fresh Time Markets, a lot of the upscale grocers around town in addition to a lot of uh, B2B customers. And so it was very appealing to us. All from the back room of a bike shop. All from the back room of a bike shop. Yep. Gotcha. That's, that's crazy. So, first question I have is where do you go for coffee roasting school? 
Yeah. <laughs> so, Good question. Um, so the, the the place where they went um, was a gentleman's name's Paul Ribich, and Paul um, was had his own roasting school in addition to um, designing roast profile software. So the actual software that drives our coffee roaster, he designed that. He also now has his own coffee roasting or coffee roaster company. So he actually, he's got a company that actually builds the equipment. Um, but at, at the point where uh, Chris went to roasting school, um, he was selling a, a roaster called Ambex, which is what we are using now. Ambex uh, originated in Turkey um, and it was one of the premium brands, still is very well respected in the industry. Um, and so he went to, went to the, this coffee roasting academy and um, that's where he learned to roast. Passed it down to um, a couple of his, his employees that worked in the bike shop, had you know coffee fans but had never really had any experience with roasting. Taught them the process and uh, the, the one employee that uh, when we acquired the business had been roasting with Backroom for about five years. And so we were able to um, absorb, or I was able to absorb all of the information when when he came on board. And that's how I- So you didn't, you learned straight from him? I learned straight from him, as well as <coughs> uh, reading a, quite a few books about coffee roasting and the different process and digging the in. nuances and, and really digging into the nuts and bolts of it. Um, still learning. I wouldn't say I'm, you know, uh, the, you know, the the absolute uh, aficionado of it, but uh, uh, we, we've got it down pretty good. As you know, yeah. you guys are, you know, direct recipients of of our of our uh, product. So, well, I have to say, your product. We're on. He has a monthly subscription. Which, how's that going? Fantastic. I mean, yeah. that's that's hasn't been that long since no. you started it. We, um, we switched over, so when we first bought Backroom, um, they were on the Squarespace platform. Mm -hmm. And Squarespace, when it first came to be, was uh, more design-oriented. They had a, an e-commerce component yep. to it, yep. but it was pretty bulky. It yeah. really was not very uh, user-friendly. It's too simple. Yeah, you um, can't do a lot with it. Not no. like, are you on Shopify now? We're on Shopify now, and yep. that's been leaps and bounds yep. uh, better than than Squarespace. Um, visually, oh, we could still use some help, but as far as an e-commerce platform, it has streamlined things so much for us. Um, and, the, and the subscription service, um, we use a company called Payworld, which is kind of a third-party vendor within Shopify. Mm -hmm. And it's been it's been a pretty seamless transition for us. Really simplified a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff. You just get like notifications every day of mm -hmm. who's yep. who's up and who's the ship. Exactly. Oh, exactly. that's nice. Because yeah. I love when I get the shipment. Because we live like an hour away. Yep. You know, we're we're close, but not that close. And do you have anybody out there? Any vendors? Uh, not at this point. Not out there. No. So that's the only way we can get it. But I always show. I actually we just got some last week, and I showed my son the way you package it every oh, yeah. time. I'm like, that's the way it's done. Well, it's, you have a marketing background. Or yeah. Design. Yeah. Or, yeah. He, yeah so. Truth be told. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't. I can't take full credit for it. Um, you know, I, I'm a graphic designer by training, so I, I am a little particular about how yeah. I like to have things packaged. Um, and conveniently enough, the U.S. Postal Priority A boxes fit four Perfect. bags of our coffee 
absolutely to a T. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So the presentation, when you open it up, it's like every time I'm like, it is because you alternate yeah. every label. Blue, brown, blue, brown. Yep, well, upside your down. Your presentation right. with everything. When, when we first met Trent, which was up at Horns Hill at one of the events up there, and you had you had your display up there, even your displays are always, you know. Thank you. You take yeah. a lot of time in your displays, and then obviously you're, you're new, well, it's not new, new to us. You're uh, the bean buggy. The bean buggy. Yeah. That's really, really neat. I mean, you've done a great job of really making your, you Branding. know, because there's always, there's coffee everywhere. Right. There's competition everywhere, but you take a great, or you do a great job of setting yourself apart. Thank you. Well, you know, um, we're all old enough to remember Andre Agassi. Yeah. What he used to do was at the Canon camera commercial. Mm -hmm. Yes. Images everything. Mm -hmm. it, it goes so far. I mean, you can have a top-notch product, but if your branding and your marketing isn't on point, you're going to get you know left in the left in the dust and mm -hmm. um, it's still a challenge for us especially me you know we're a small business um, we've got just myself one other employee and then my wife doing the books so it's a family-run business um, but being able to wear all the hats and be effective at everything has been just an ongoing struggle mm -hmm. for us um, and um, you know I'm hoping that local vibes can help us kick it up a notch yes. in that arena. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I definitely have um, uh, certain opinions as to how our, our brand should be presented, um, but I have a hard time coming up with fresh content mm -hmm. on a daily basis to be able to post consistently and um, content calendars and stuff like that is just, it's just a struggle for me. What kind of events do you do you guys typically do? So some of our biggest events, uh, we do the whole Columbus Cars and Coffee um, season, which is comprises about ten to twelve events throughout the year. Oh, I did um, not even know that. And we've heard um, of Seinfeld's comedians no. in Cars and Coffee. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I, I didn't that. know there was a Columbus. Have you ever watched that? I have. Yeah. I love I'm, it. Me I too. love it. I, I'm, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Um, but so the Cars and Coffee has um, generated a lot of exposure for us um, with very high profile clientele, mm -hmm. which is, um, you know, the first year that we had the bean buggy out and about, it was a learning experience figuring out what events would do well for us and what events did not. Can you tell people what the bean buggy is? We'll have to show a picture. Oh, yeah. For, unless you're, yeah. If you're listening, you can't see it. But so the bean buggy we'll put it in the show is notes. A, um, a converted 1975 Merhau two-horse horse trailer that we um, contracted a local industrial artist to convert into um, a kind of a shabby chic country themed coffee uh, shop on coffee wheels coffee shop on wheels it is so cool thank you and uh, it's we wanted something that was not your average run-of-the-mill um, Grumman step van food truck you know there those things are a dime a dozen mm -hmm. and didn't want to have something, even though my background is a graphic designer and specializing in vehicle wraps and all that, didn't want it to have that commercialized flavor. I really wanted it to be, be more authentic um, and more in line with the backroom brand, which we don't take ourselves quite as seriously as I think some right. uh, coffee companies do. Um, not trying to throw shade on anyone, but I think that a lot of times 
Um, if you go to, into a retail coffee shop, uh, you're kind of looked down upon. You know, the, the baristas and the, the, they, they, they know a lot more than you do, and you may not be worthy of their knowledge. Mm. We don't want to convey that vibe with backroom, especially when we pull up in the bean buggy. You know, we, we consider everybody to be our friends, and, you know, we want it to be very welcoming and approachable. Um, and so the, the, the bean buggy, um, we wanted just to be, you know, memorable, top shelf, but not taking ourselves too seriously. And I think we, we uh, hit that goal. Yeah, and you, you even said, I mean, we literally call ourselves local vibes because that's what we look for. Yeah. You know, it's not the corporate sterile, you know, you know, it's not groovy as a vibe, but it's just you have that, that trailer especially has got a, its own vibe. Thank you. you. Know, oh, yeah. That's kind of why we do what we do. Yeah. We're looking for those places. And one of the f most interesting things, speaking of the Columbus Cars and Coffee uh, um, schedule, is we pull a we pull the trailer behind a um, 1988 Chevy C3500 one-ton vintage truck, and we'll pull up to these events. And people, you know, the, the cars and coffee crowd, it's the Lamborghinis and the McLaren. I was going to ask, is that a club? No, it's it's, it's just, just a meeting. It, it's a meeting. Just a meet up. So anybody can bring their cars, but typically it's the show off. It's, it's the show off. Yeah. Richie Riches and everybody goes absolutely nuts over. We call it Old Blue, the truck. People just can't get enough of the old one blue. that's down there. The one that's down okay. there. Yeah. Old um, square body. Yeah. yeah. The old. Well, it's the old body style, which yeah. was the next generation. Okay. The square body, but um, you know, it's got the 454, and it's got. I mean, it it hits all the buttons as far as the vintage trucks are concerned. But uh, still got a carburetor too, probably. It still has. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, no, it's the first year of the EFI. Oh, really? Yeah, the very first year. Um, but people just they gravitate towards it and they really get pictures posted every every event we go to really it's really it's really interesting so they do yeah. your your advertising for you absolutely our marketing for you well it, cool. it, it's reciprocal you know yeah. one of the things we really love to do with our with our partners is pump you know them up as much as they do with us and it just bring elevates everybody right you hit the algorithm and you know it goes out to you know not just our crowd or their crowd but but both and you know that as well as i do yeah, and you were saying that you don't know what the post, I mean, that's one of the hardest things we run into. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, we run ads because we're not very good at posting either. Yeah. We run out of time. Yeah. We it's tell time every factor. single client, you need to post more. You need to post about this. You need to make videos. You need to do that. And we run out of time. We don't do it either. So, you know, it's, it's, it is hard. And if you have something engaging like that, that other people are posting for you, then that's, that helps. That's a home run. Yeah. yeah. And I know that reposting works occasionally. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been guilty of doing too many reposts and um, I've been taking more advantage of um, Instagram reels, mm -hmm. um, which has has helped certainly. But consistency has been my major challenge. Mm hmm. Yeah. And it's funny. I mean, it's you know, that, that algorithm thing that drives mm -hmm. me crazy. I know I follow you. I don't think I've seen you for a while because if if you don't click on something after a while, yeah. they stop showing you and it's like, it's literally the ones I want to see. Right, right. Well, um, yeah, I need to get back on a, a more. Well, I, I think that's just the way that Facebook and Instagram especially work. Now, I, I've heard TikTok. We're not on TikTok, but will not be on TikTok. I'm not going to be on TikTok either. But the the premise behind it is there's much less of an algorithm that if 
like if you look at your reels probably on Instagram, all your views are probably similar. I mean, if you've had one pop off maybe, but they're all similar on, for whatever reason, that algorithm just kind of evens everybody out. Yeah. The big guys, you know, the Kim Kardashians, they get tons and tons and tons. But on TikTok, there are people that I've heard have two videos and the second one gets like a million views because if it's viral, it stays viral. Right. On Instagram, if it's viral, they, they start they throttle, throttle you throttle a little you bit. Back. Mm-hmm. And there's really nothing you can do about it other than give them money to advertise it. But that's the... That's what they want. I think it may start to shift a little bit because TikTok is eating everybody's lunch. Right. And, you know, they're trying to be TikTok now. So yeah. maybe they'll change a little bit. But right, I haven't so seen it. It was kind of the, the impetus for the reels, wasn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was a direct... You know, and they've done... They stole Snapchat and mm-hmm. stories were from Snapchat. Yeah. But... So, I know recently we've been talking a lot about the fact that you you, you traveled for was it two weeks in uh, six, El Salvador? Six days, yeah. So um, mid January, okay. yeah, we went uh, my myself and uh, two of my friends um, went down to El Salvador um, at the invitation of my friend Guillermo Cruz, who owns he and his brother own a coffee plantation called uh, finca la piedra which literally means stone farm on really? the side of chaparastique volcano it's an active volcano uh, outside of san miguel el salvador and um actually met guillermo at the um, columbus cars and coffee event oh you did arena last year it's a major so, networking, so this is huh? why this is the reason for the trip then this is the reason for the trip ah yeah yeah <coughs> so, excuse me like i was uh we were talking about earlier the bean buggy um it's while it's generated some revenue for us, it's more about the the greater exposure that we've gotten as a result of being at all these different events. We do quite a bit in New Albany. Um, we're members of the New Albany Chamber, and that's given us an additional exposure and gotten us access to customers such as J.P. Morgan Chase and whatnot. But back to Guillermo. Um, Guillermo approached us uh, last year at this nationwide Cars and Coffee event, ordered a cup of coffee and struck up a conversation, introduced himself, heavy, you know, uh, Latin accent and uh, introduced himself and said, yeah, I I own a coffee plantation in El Salvador, Um, would love to have you come down sometime. Uh, We met here at the roastery, he brought us some of his um, some of his roasted coffee from the plantation and also brought us some green beans from the plantation for us to roast. Um, and quite honestly, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the coffee that had already been roasted. He's got a, a, a guy that um, roasts for the plantation and for their local um, uh, customers that is a Scottish guy of all places. This Scottish guy has been roasting for something like 20 years. He converted an old washing machine into a roaster what i i know it's it's bizarre but anyway so they roast this coffee and it wasn't it wasn't to my liking and so i said well hold on guillermo let me let me roast a batch while you're here um roasted it up and his eyes perked up he's like this is amazing this is so much better i was like thank you so (laughs) 
at any rate, uh, we had a couple other conversations and made plans to, to go down to um, uh, Finca La Piedra. And um, so mid-January, um, went down there for six days, stayed on the plantation at an elevation of about 3,800 feet, uh, about halfway up the side of this volcano, which had erupted just weeks before we went down there. And so really? There was still a lot of ash covering um, different parts of the plantation wow. when we went up there. But um, it was a trip of a lifetime, you know, aside from um, our, our honeymoon where my wife and I went to Italy, it was probably the best trip I've ever been on. Um, and I thought I knew a lot about the, uh, the coffee industry and, and all that, but until you've seen it with your very own eyes, you know, from, from farm to cup, how the whole process works and how much labor is involved in not only the picking, but the, but the transport and the processing and the drying and the packaging and the shipping and all these different steps to be able to get to what we're enjoying in our cup today gives you a true appreciation for um, not only the work that's involved, but, but the value in a quality cup of coffee. People, I, I think, by and large, they go to the grocery stores, they get the can of Folgers or a bag of you know, uh, Starbucks or whatever it is. They don't really have a true understanding. It's like any other um, farming industry. They don't really, unless you see it with your own eyes, you don't have a true appreciation for what's involved and why things cost what they cost. So did he? does he only provide um, beans to like smaller um, establishments like you or does he supply it to like Starbucks and places like that well too? so Guillermo is um, he's a businessman he um, he actually has a trucking company does he lives here he lives in New Albany okay um, and he's been in the United States for six years um, he and his brother acquired or bought this plantation just two years ago and the plantation had been um, uh, sitting dormant for a number of years so a lot of it was overgrown the, tr the, pl the plants were there but a lot of them still needed to be they needed to be uh, cultivated and pruned and and a, a lot of you know a lot of work needed to be done that's a TLC a lot of TLC to get it back to an operating uh, uh, what makes a coffee plantation stop production uh, well, um, so El Salvador in the uh, in the the fifties through the seventies, it was kind of their um, their heyday of coffee production. It's it was their primary um, uh, form of revenue for the country. Mm -hmm. um, and then the problem was El Salvador had fourteen families that controlled the entire country and owned all the property and everything and um, there was a huge disparity between the very wealthy elite the families it always works out doesn't it it always works out <laughs> to control of the government and then huh. the peasants that you know extreme extreme poverty yeah and um, there was an uprising they had a you know civil war um, and so the government at that point did what was called an agrarian decree, which basically they took a portion of the land from these 14 families and made it available to the general public to be able to buy and, um, you know, be able to, you know, farm. And break up the monopoly. Break up the monopoly. 
Well, um, when the when the Civil War was going on, a lot of the the, the farms um, went into you know disrepair and got overgrown. Gotcha. Families got run off, and so slowly uh, El Salvador has been building back into you know uh, their economy has uh, revived. They've put a new president into power about four years ago, who's very much of an, an authoritarian and has uh, put a lot of money into um, the military and the police to go and uh, seek out, you know, like the MS-13 gangs were mm -hmm. real strong down there. They've thrown more than 50,000 people in jail. Oh, really? Um, and really cleaned up the country tremendously. Um, and so uh, this farm, this Finca La Piedra, had been sitting idle for a number of years. Um, Guillermo and his brother um, saw an opportunity, bought it at a very reasonable price, and have slowly been rebuilding it. They have a coffee engineer who travels to a lot of the different fincas. Finca means farm in, in, in Spanish. Travels to a lot of the different fincas locally and will take daily you know, soil conditions and the condition of the plants and they've got different plots with the different coffee varietals and um, it's very, very scientific. And you can really truly taste the difference. And you can really truly taste the difference. Bringing yep. up that question that you have, okay. What gives coffee that licorice-like taste on, on some or of them? Sour. Or, I mean, there are some places I go that that's like, that's the overall flavor. It's got like this licorice taste to it and it's just, oh, it's awful. And I just don't know what that is. Is it so the type of bean or? It's, it, it has to do with the type of bean. It has to do with the region where the bean was sourced from, uh, the soil conditions, the elevation. I wonder if it's Kenyan. I don't remember what it was. Does Kenyan coffee tend to have that type of? It it depends. Um, it, yeah, possibly. Have you ever been to? It's there's the only one that I can really think of right now is the one in Granville, uh, not Granville, the one in um, Gahanna. Um, it's on the strip in Gahanna, right down there, by the it's river, on Creekside. Yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking about. Uh, Upper Cup. Uh, I'm not sure, and I don't mean to cut them down at all. It's just, just not, just it's not my flavor, but yeah. I mean, that's the flavor of their coffee. And I, every time I've, I've been in there a couple times, I forgot the second time that that's well, the flavor. It's kind of like, you know, beers, there's IPA, there's different flavors, and not everybody loves every flavor. Right. That one she didn't love. Well, and so another uh, couple other factors that play into it are how long ago was the coffee roasted? how dark has it been roasted so you had mentioned sour notes so sour notes are typically um, tasted in lighter roasts the more the, the darker you roast you're going to get away from that unique flavor profile and you're just going to get more roasty you know i don't want to say, say burn unless you go all the way to like a french roast which mm -hmm. is super dark um, but in the case of like starbucks for instance you know most I don't want to say most people, but a lot of people have the misconception that Starbucks is good coffee. It is, and I'm going to throw shade at Starbucks, it's garbage you, coffee. I will go in an airport is the only time I will, I will never go to a Because Starbucks. there is absolutely nothing else to yeah. get in an airport. Right. And so the reason why Starbucks has been so successful 
marketing mm-hmm. for sure. and the creation of these these you know milkshakes. drinks milkshakes <laughs> yeah. yeah they've got all the garbage on top that masks the taste of their truly horrible coffee and uh you know i i equate it to um to pork rinds i love pork rinds but the reason why i love pork rinds isn't because it's fried pig skin, it's the seasoning that it's mm. the, 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 the rind is just the carrier for the seasoning. All right. You know, and the bottom of the bag, all that stuff at the bottom, that's my favorite part. <laughs> you know, and it's it's the same thing with, with Starbucks, you know. It's it's just a carrier for the, the milkshake and all, right. all the all no, the toppings. Sugar, sugar, sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. People don't truly have coffee i mean they really don't they have no, flavored drinks flavored coffee drinks starbucks and orders a black coffee because it's or they look at you like what yeah it's it's rancid and so starbucks you know imagine how much coffee they sell daily and how much mm. volume how many farms they have to source all this coffee from well there's no way to have individual unique you know micro lot coffee they they have some grades uh, that they'll sell bags that are smaller but typically they'll take huge lots from all these different farms and bring them into these huge central roastery operations the roasteries are i mean just one of the roasters is as big as our building and so they dump all this coffee in and they incinerate it so you can't taste any tasting notes it's just burnt and um that is you know that's the the polar opposite that's 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 a big misconception that you know it's good stuff now there are other companies like pete's i've been a long time fan of pete's before we got into if we're not drinking yours we're drinking pete's yeah it's great stuff or coffee shack coffee shack in town yeah um not familiar with them but we're we definitely prefer um local for sure local he's one of ours and then you and then the only other one i will have to say in destin um badass badass coffee coffee. okay is it bad it's badass yeah Yeah. it's from um, hawaii Mm -hmm. it's a small franchise just real small okay and actually weren't they from Weren't they from Columbus? No, the one in Destin was owned oh, by okay. somebody from Columbus. Okay. We're going to a coffee shop in Florida, and it's a bunch of Ohio State stuff. We are coffee <laughs> snobs. We are definitely coffee snobs. When we go on vacation, when we go anywhere, we usually have to have coffee, but typically from a coffee shop, I have to... F- we go on vacation, and I'm like, okay, we got to try this coffee shop and this coffee shop. and That's, I mean, our support local, I mean, it, coffee is something we drink mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, obviously we're in business. We support capitalism, and I don't have any problem with Starbucks. It's just when they get that big, they injure all the other small, the small places. So that's why we would, you know, how do people... How do you get people to stop by in Folgers and Starbucks to try a local roasted coffee? That's the that's the million dollar question. Uh-huh. It's a challenge, and it's it's very organic for us at this point. We don't have the the marketing budget of a Starbucks or yeah. or a Tim Hortons or a Dunkin' Donuts or the location on the highway or, or, the, yeah, or, or the thousand locations right. on the highway that are two blocks from one another and mm-hmm. lines that wrap around the building right. and out into the street and all that. So it's it's very uh, very organic, very one on one. Um, the like I said, back to the bean buggy. The bean buggy has definitely elevated our brand and our visibility. Um, and like I, I mentioned to you earlier, before we uh, uh, started the podcast, 
Um, we are um, uh, pursuing the possibility of franchising these buggies and um, you know turning other people on in different markets to the backroom brand through um, you know building out these trailers and licensing backroom uh, to you know that's other such an easy cars. easy little franchise opportunity for people it really it, is it's awesome you know it gives um, it gives the end user a lot more flexibility than a standalone brick and mortar store where you're chained to a multi-year lease right. or a landlord unless you acquire the building and or the outright owner, it's a losing proposition. You know, you have to meet that nut every single month. And the 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 idea of the bean buggy, when you're done with an event, we come back, we pull it into the our building, and you know, we close it up and plug in the the, the electricity to keep the refrigerators running, and we you know, on down the road we go. How many local roasteries do you know? I mean, how many are around? Yeah. Like roasteries? Typically in a bigger city, you know, are there a lot? Yeah, there are. Um, uh, here in Columbus, I'd say that there are probably 10 to 15. Do you guys all know each other and stuff? We're, we know of each other. Uh -huh. I wouldn't say that we know each other intimately. Um, I'm friends with a couple of them. Um, and, uh, you know, we give each other likes occasionally. But at the end of the day, it's competition. Uh, yeah. Competitors. Yeah. We don't want to like things, too. Yeah. yeah. And that's that was kind of where I was headed because I have a, a saying that we talk about all the time. It's, it's you're competing together. Yeah. Because you... I kind of, when, I, when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking about breweries, you know, beer, because even 15 years ago, maybe 20, you can't make your own beer because Budweiser makes all of it, and Coors and Miller, you know, you can't compete with them. Now they compete with them. They take a big chunk out of that, and a lot of those guys compete together. You know, they have each other's beer they on try tap, each other's. and, you know, they support each other because they're fighting a bigger fight against the, the gigantic people. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. So one of our um, brewing partners, Zaftig Brewing, they're based in Worthington. Um, Zaftig, uh, they have used our coffees in their beers for a number of years. Nice. Um, I'm friends with one of the owners. Actually, uh, he, he comes up to, to hunt. He's a deer hunter, big passionate deer hunter. He comes up to hunt on our property and he's brought his son up here a couple years ago. Son bagged his first buck. Big, huge, ten-point monster on your property. On our property, nice. He's ten years old, and he slayed his first buck. And I, I, I said to, to Jim, my my friend, I was like, "Where does where does your son go from here? I mean, he, yeah. he got the monster. Uh, Everything's retire gonna... out, going on top. Exactly, exactly. But uh, Jim and his partner, um, they just signed a deal with uh, Columbus Crew at the new Crew Stadium to be selling their beer at the stadium along with um, uh, Land Grant mm -hmm. and um, I like Land Grant. Um, Wolf's Ridge. And Three I like the, that. The, the so no major? <clears throat> well, it, Bud, Budweiser has the, 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 the concession main. stand, gotcha. the main stuff, but these guys have their own standalone kiosk, I think, within the stadium. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be, you know, representing the local brands. So will one of yours be in there? With the coffee? Zaptic. Still working on that. 
Uh, haven't haven't this just happened last week so we'll be we'll figure that out but um it's it's good to see you know the david versus versus goliath story and them going up against it you know one of the things that budweiser did years ago is they started acquiring uh, some of these microbreweries like uh, Red Hook. I don't know if you remember Red Hook. I remember Sam Adams. They bought them up real quick. And yeah, yeah. You know, that's how you eliminate competition. Right. You know, you, you assimilate. And um, so from a roaster standpoint, um, you know, it's it's a challenge every day. Um, you know, there's a, a Crimson Cup here in mm-hmm. town. They're, they're the 800-pound gorilla in the, in the local coffee roasting community. Um, Greg Hubert, the owner, has done a phenomenal job with growing his business. He was, he and Stoffs were pretty much the first third wave coffee roasting companies here in central Ohio. Um, he's got a number of uh, franchises and coffee shops around town in addition to interests in uh, other businesses. They go in, they source direct from the farms, they help um, help the, the the local economies by you know building schools and wow. hospitals and you know helping you know build in a, a, a well well taken care of workforce. So it's very savvy, um, and so you've got Crimson Cup up here, and then the rest of us are kind of you know. I don't want to say fighting for the scraps because that's not the right word, but um, there's a there's a ways to go. Working your way up to Working what they did. Working your way up, yeah. That I mean, it's 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 so strange because it's not a local product, but it's finished. Lo- I mean, it's you can't get coffee here. You know, beans. it doesn't grow here. Beans. The, no. You know, the beans itself. You know, that it comes. Was it Equator? Is that the Yep. General. Yep. It's uh, so they call it the Ring of Fire, which is basically you know the the equator and the um, yeah just hot. It's got to be hot. Uh, but high, but high altitude in hot. Typically regions. higher. Yeah, high altitude is where mo- most of it's sourced from. So we've got uh, we've got beans that we source from Indonesia, from Sumatra, Bali, um, Central America. You know, El Salvador. Honduras, Guatemala, Costa Rica, um, Mexico, and you know South America. We've got you know Venezuela and um, Colombia and Brazil and you know African beans from Ethiopia and Tanzania. You know Kenya. all over the world. Was it hard to? Did you have any issues when the supply chain stuff was we going on? We did, and we we continue to have issues because. Um, you know, the cost of shipping went up exponentially. Mm-hmm. And one of the major problems we have is the ongoing conflict between China and Taiwan. The South China Sea is a major shipping route um, coming from Indonesia and uh, around the globe to get to the United States. Um, and a lot of the ships had to reroute and not go through the South China Sea. And, you know, you the, the prices have literally doubled on our shipping. And the challenge is being able to maintain our price without having to price ourselves right out of the ballgame. Still make a profit. And still make a profit. So our margins have, mm-hmm. have gone down quite a bit. Um, so we have to scramble and, you know, go and solicit more customers and you know really shake the shake the bushes to to get more you know coffee lovers on on the back room the price of the beans change i mean that's a commodity is that just 
up and down all it's, the time? It's up and down. Um, you know, the um, uh, in the case of Brazil, um, Brazil had a major um, uh, cold snap last year, and so as a result, the supply of Brazilian beans this year has gone down, and as prices a result, go price has gone up. Um, so it's it's constantly fluctuating. Um, one of the things that uh, us as uh, coffee uh, roasting owners can do is buy a lot. So buy you know a quantity of beans and lock in a price. Um, but then that depletes our capital to be able to mm -hmm. go out and do other investments. So it's um, it's an ongoing struggle for sure. Yeah. And then the cost of packaging. You know our packaging. Um, comes from as much as we would like to be able to source domestically there aren't many companies here that produce the bags that we package our coffee in and so the company that we use even though uh, they have an office in Chino California it's a Chinese company mm -hmm. as much as I don't like having to support that we really don't have a lot of. There options. isn't any other option. Anybody for out it? there know any packaging companies? Yeah, well, yeah. make coffee bags. There, there is. There's actually a company here in Columbus that does packaging, um, but in order to make it worthwhile for us, we would have to change all of our branding to fit their packaging, and we'd have to purchase. Uh, too about, much. We'd have to purchase substantially, probably two to three times what we purchase now, and it just doesn't make economic sense for mm -hmm. us at this point. We found a domestic source, um, we tried their bags. Um, the problem is, so coffee bags have um, what's called a breathe valve. It's a, it's a one-way valve that allows um, carbon dioxide to escape, and it doesn't allow the, the oxygen to come in and degrade the beans. People think it's a sniff valve. has nothing to do with being able to smell the coffee. It's for so the coffee can breathe. Well, when coffee is first roasted, there's still uh, what's called outgassing. It's still there are still chemical processes that are happening. You want to seal it as quickly as possible to keep that freshness in. And if you don't have that breathe valve in the bags, the bags will will explode. Really? Really? It'll explode on the shelves. And Didn't know that. Yeah. And so we found this domestic company to, to make these bags for us. And we bought 10,000 bags, started packaging them and putting them on our, our retailer shelves the bag started to blow up <gasps> and it was a nightmare. <clears throat> Eventually got a full refund after a lot of, uh, a lot of back and forth and battling. But uh, uh, so we're back to our original supplier. So did it not have the breathe valve or it, it just did, didn't it work? It just didn't work. Gotcha. It, was a, it was an inferior valve. There's a lot of, a lot of technology that goes into that little valve and, so did uh, they change it? I mean, based on what had happened with you? No, they said it was, you know, our method and the way that we, we roast and package our coffee, which is baloney, because our other, <laughs> our, our existing supplier, their valves work just fine. We never had huh. a problem with it, so. That's interesting. <sighs> yep. I didn't know that, so that's something new I've learned. Did you know that? I had no idea. <laughs> I figured that was the way you packaged it and sucked the air out of it, but not the other yeah, it actually it actually allows the the CO two to escape, and so the the bag doesn't you know erupt. So I know I know one other cool thing that we've talked about, and I I saw I did see you post about that something where you're it was with the um, automated thing. 
the coffee robot? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So tell us about that. I didn't what see that. that. Is. I don't you know what you're that? talking it was about. about. When was that? That was, was about, last uh, year. November, late yeah. November. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the customers that we acquired as a result of having the bean buggy at these events um, was J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, they have their world headquarters here in Columbus, uh, about 15 minutes away on Polaris Parkway. And for people that don't know, their headquarters is the second largest contiguous building in the United States next to the Pentagon. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah, and so their main hallway um, at their campus is a quarter mile long. And really? in the center of the this hallway is an area called the Commons. And at, in the Commons, they have the busiest Starbucks in the United States serving coffee to 12,000 employees is what they've got on campus at any given point right now. I did not 17,000 employees is their maximum capacity, but due to COVID and everything, um, they're slowly bringing the workers back. Uh, kicking on, and screaming. Kicking and screaming. <laughs> exactly yes. Exactly right. Um, but these, you know, they, they have to have their coffee. Yeah. And so Starbucks, you know, is making a, a bleeding mint off of them. Um, but back to back to um, how we, we came to be with JP Morgan, we're at this little league soccer event in New Albany with the bean buggy and this gentleman comes up, orders a cup of coffee, the biker blend, which is our signature roast and mm -hmm. one that I think you subscribe to. Yep, that's the one we get. He gets this cup of coffee and takes his first sip and he said, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing cup of coffee I've ever had. Want, want to hear the whole story about Backroom and how it started and everything. And introduced himself as a vice president of small business development for J.P. Morgan Chase. And said, I'm going to make an email introduction. I think you'd be a great fit for J.P. Morgan and yada, yada, yada. Well, within 15 minutes of walking away, he'd made this introduction to his vice president of facilities management worldwide and also uh, the VP of Aramark Food Services, which uh, has contracted to handle all the food and everything to do with uh, anything food related at JP Morgan. Had a meeting with them, they fell in love with the brand, and so now we're in JP Morgan, and um, directly across the hall from the Starbucks is a grab-and-go convenience store called The Union, where they've got our, our coffee bags as well as our biker bars, which is a coffee chocolate bar that we developed about two years ago. Um, and they approached I don't think us. I've seen that either. You haven't seen the it? Biker bar? Oh, a biker bar? Oh, well. I've, I've, the algorithm wow. hates me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, show, we'll show that to you when we're, when we're done. Okay, okay. Um, so they, uh, once we were in and generating some, some interest, they approached us about doing this project for this coffee robot. And so um, this company is based out of San Francisco, and there are only two of these units in the United States. The first one they put into, into operation is at the San Jose airport, and the second one is right across the hall from the Starbucks. And, it's, and so they serve backroom coffee exclusively, and it is about a 10 by 10 uh, kiosk, and you order through a QR code. It's got a full menu, so they've got backroom espresso, our biker blend, um, our decaf, as well as our cold brew, nitro cold brew on tap. 
And so you place your order and it's got a robotic arm that goes and makes makes the coffee. It'll make an espresso or make a, a latte. Oh my goodness. And puts places the cup in this little little um, uh, tray and one a window drops down and you reach in and grab your, your cup and off off you go. And this has generated so much publicity for us and people, when it first was uh, launched in, in November, people were crowded around it taking pictures and video and oh my gosh, it was just the most amazing. Is your branding on there? It's our branding is on there. Nice. Yeah. Have you gotten, do you know that you've gotten people specifically from there yes. because of it? You do yeah. know. So on our, on our website, when you order, it said, how do you hear about us? And they can type in exactly and We've had quite a few people that was like the coffee robot at, at J.P. Morgan Chase, and that's awesome. That's pretty pretty cool. So, well, that's awesome that you do that. That's something that we tell people. You know, survey, ask your people. Yeah, where, yeah. I mean, where do your customers come from? Because we deal with a lot of local businesses, and the answer is always word of mouth, which is the best possible, but it's the hardest to get more of. That's right. Hardest to scale. That's right. Um, so that was something that we implemented um, shortly after we took over uh, the business from the previous owners. Um, we added that, which when we were still on the Squarespace platform, um, and it was basically radio buttons, you mm -hmm. know, Google, Facebook, whatever. And we've kind of done away with all that now. Basically, it's just a, a window, and they can type in what it is. And we've... Uh, it's been Google searches, it's been Yelp. Yelp's been, really? even though we don't subscribe to Yelp, we've gotten a lot of it off of there. Um, Instagram has been our big one, that's been our, our main driver. Um, again, you know, when I post, and I'm the one that handles the social media, it posts to Instagram and Facebook, but for whatever reason, and hopefully you can help shed some light on this, Facebook just hasn't performed for us. Did you say Facegram? <laughs> it's, it's Facegram. <laughs> Instabook. Snappy chatty and... Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it, um, I, my Facebook is nothing of what I want to see. Yeah. You take good pictures. I mean, yeah. that, that and also... And Instagram is more towards, you know, food visual. beverages... That, that but you know it makes a difference when it's good pictures. Oh, sure. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, most of the time we don't know where to go to eat a lot of times and we want to go somewhere new yeah. and you know a lot of restaurants and stuff just don't understand just post that special yeah well, we had those, one in the town the pictures just draw me in 1922 i always well, the see that well and boar that's not downtown anymore but you know they're local mm -hmm. six chain something like that they posted one they had Sunday brunch. Oh, yeah. This was a couple of years ago, and it, it was like, she was like, hold the phone up and say, we're going here. Yeah. <laughs> and we chicken literally, and waffles. it was chicken and waffles. It was fantastic. Was and we went like 10 times because yeah. of that post. Yeah. And we didn't even know they had brunch. And actually, know? I got a lot of people to go yeah. because of that post, too. Yeah. Well, and so the, the challenge that I have is because we don't have a retail coffee shop, 
um, is our, our the scope of our contents limited. You know, we're basically in a warehouse right. here, mm -hmm. and I can only take so many pictures of bags of coffee or the roaster. The roaster or, so a lot of it's come from the events that we do yeah. with the bean buggy. And I've um, rehashed some of our posts. You know, I'll take a picture on the bean buggy and repost it, you know, six months or whatever later. But you can only do that so many yeah. times for it to be effective. Ads and, are definitely going to be more effective for you. Yeah, yeah. So. For sure. <clears throat> How wide do you go? I mean, I know you've got Whole Foods, you've got Central Ohio. Do you have people from other places finding you and ordering? We do. Um, actually, I just had, uh, so one of the things that Shopify, they're constantly upgrading and adding different features. And just recently they have this Shopify inbox where customer can message you when they're on the website and it'll go to my phone immediately. It'll go to my email too, but I can respond quicker. I normally respond quicker to this right. inbox. It's like a text and have a customer in Frisco, Texas orders. He's got subscription and he's sending coffee to friends and family there locally. And um, he wanted to make a change to his subscription. So he, he inboxed me and we had a conversation and said, no problem at all, Jason, I'll take care of this. And just had his subscription re-up for the month today. And he wanted to make a change from our Sumatra to our Ethiopian. So change is made. And, you know, I'm able to ship it out to them. We've literally got customers um, coast to coast. Um, I've we've got customers in Seattle of all places. You but know, Starbucks is there. But Starbucks is there, and Stops <laughs> is there, and, or Pete's uh, not, is up not there. Stops, Pete's. Um, and, but for they just love the the whole back room, the quality the of their coffee, and the story, and everything else. So how many of them come from the story of our bikers? Because your what, bikers yeah. blend. Yeah. Is it Harley guys? They all think it's bikers or they understand well, your story? You know, it's, it's it interesting matter. because, you know, I was a longtime motorcyclist um, and unfortunately had to give that up because of a couple accidents. Um, but uh, by and large, it's the cycling community. But from my years in the motorcycle community and the friends and contacts that I've uh, gleaned there, I've got quite a few motorcyclists as well. Actually, um, one of them, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum down in Leeds, Alabama, it is the largest collection of vintage um, motorcycles as well as vintage race cars. They've got a, they've got multiple race tracks, testing tracks, some Mercedes, Porsche. BMW, they all take their vehicles there. Barber, we sell our coffee in the Barber uh, Motorsports uh, gift shop. Really? Yeah, Biker Blend. Um, I've done posts with them, friends with their uh, um, um, director of um, uh, restoration. Mm -hmm. um, he's a cyclist, pedal bikes as well as motorcycles, and um, he's a fan and spreads the gospel. So we've got uh, we've got that in our in our arsenal as well. Awesome. Wow, that's cool. Even had a so we do a fair amount of private label coffee for different customers. Um, my background is in graphic design, and conveniently enough, I'm able to produce labels in house, not only for our our bags, but for customer bags as well. Um, do you roast for others or just the bags? Yeah, we roast for others as well. Um, and one of our customers is a microgreen farm on 
uh, the the island of Oahu. And, really? Yeah. And because they don't have any coffee over because there. Because they don't have any coffee. You know, Kona's. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's weird. Sourcing coffee from Galena, Ohio, all the way to Hawaii. But I guess they probably, I mean, over there, they specialize in Kona. So they probably don't have all they don't have the other kinds. Yeah. It's true. Is uh-huh. it the story or the, the it's, coffee? It's the story. It's the coffee. It's the... Um, contacts that I've made. I mean, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's the old adage, it's, it, it's not what you know, it's who you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And it's as much relationship, but it, the relationship wouldn't mean anything if the quality of the product oh, wasn't sure. there. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was kind of a unique one as well. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. It is. I had no idea. So you've got... Seattle taken care of. You got Hawaii taken care of. Texas. We've got Florida. We've got North Carolina. Um, I've shipped to Arizona. I've got a guy down in in Arizona outside of Flagstaff that orders five pound bags of our biker blend religiously. Um, You know, when when everything was happening with COVID, we kind of had to revamp our our shipping strategy. You know, when we when we took over backroom, um, it was buy three bags and shipping's free anywhere in the continental yeah. United States. Well, it it didn't make any sense because we ended up, you know, if we're shipping bags to California, we're paying you to drink our coffee. And so we've had to adjust that. A lot of companies still offer free shipping. I don't know how they're making any money unless it's the economies of scale and they're just buying cheap. Buying cheap. But um, we've had to adjust it. We'll, we'll still, if people buy four bags of our coffee or hit the threshold of basically a $60 threshold, if they're in our zone A shipping zone, which is essentially the state of Ohio and the immediate surrounding area, we'll ship free. Outside of that initial shipping zone, it's, we'll, we'll split the shipping costs with you 50-50. And we've had a little bit of pushback but not much. People understand, oh. you know, especially with a small business, you know, nothing's free. Well, and, and I think people need to really think more about, and I think people like us, we do. Yes, we may be spending 60 bucks on coffee every month on the beans, but, you know, all these people go and get Starbucks or any of the big name coffees, if you want to call it that, that they get. They're ten cups of coffee. Seven bucks, eight bucks, yeah. if not more, for one of those drinks, and they're getting them daily. Right. You're spending way more than what I spend on a monthly basis for quality coffee yeah. that I can grind myself. I think that makes a big difference exactly. too. I like it to be fresh. So ground, you're the coffee expert. What is the key to the perfect cup of coffee? Oh, good. Good question. Because I, I tell her all the time, I love your <laughs> coffee, but every now and then I'm like, we drink, we have a board meeting every morning in the hot tub. Yes. The executive committee gets together. It's usually at like 5.30 <laughs> like in the morning. Perfect meeting. And that's where it we is. drink our coffee. It is. Yeah. And I think it was last week, I said, you know, it's always good, but one day I was like, it's really good today. And we make it the same way every time, but every now and then it's really, really good. Well, um, so there, there are a lot of components that go into it. Most people think that the beans are the most important part of the equation. And, you know, being the coffee roaster, I'm going to say, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that there's some truth Obviously. to that, but it's quality water 
and a quality burr grinder. If you do not have a proper grinder to grind your fresh beans, the, the flavor profile is going to be very um, uneven. It's not going to be consistent. You're going to have larger granules and you're going to have fine powdery stuff. Like if you get one of those blade grinders, those cheapo mm -hmm. stuff that you can get at Target or whatever, yeah, we don't it's have that. not going to give you a consistent quality cup. Um, water is the most important thing. The grinder is second, the coffee is third, and the way that you make the coffee is fourth. So. Um, yeah, and how fresh the coffee is, um, how, how well it's been sealed, you know, if, if you have a fresh thing of coffee and you leave it out, leave the bag open, it's going to deteriorate a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you have it in a sealed container, opaque container, put it inside. Room oh, it's not opaque, up. but it's in the cupboard. So. It's in yeah. the cupboard. Then you're fine. As long as it's out of direct sunlight. Another misconception that people have is um, put it in the freezer and it'll stay fresh longer. Mm -hmm. You do not want to put your coffee in the freezer because it draws out the moisture and it, it will, you know, freezer burn the beans. And it's not good for it. Room temperature, out of direct sunlight. Ours All right, doesn't so last that long. So. Our, our strategy, it's, it's in an airtight container in the yeah. cupboard. Yeah. We have a burr grinder. We have the right grinder. We have filtered well water. And a. And didn't we get the coffee pot based off the of the Technivorm? The last time, the last time we were, yeah. yeah. Mocha, yeah. that's what we I have. Like it. So I'm trying my best. It's a, yeah, it, it's we, a great machine, for sure. Maybe I just didn't. Of course, we battle on how much of a scoop. But we used to beans. measure it, weigh it. <coughs> now it's about three scoops. Sometimes it's three big scoops, so it's it's close. But. So for the for the Technivorm, we've got the same brewer in in the house. We use it every single day. Uh, sixty eight grams. Sixty eight. That's, that's exactly. the perfect. Yeah, I think that's, that's way more than we were using. So we need to buy more coffee from yeah. Trent. <laughs> yeah. What's, you just told us that. I'm sixty eight. Can I use sixty nine? I like sixty nine better. <laughs> 70, no. That's that's a different story entirely. But yeah. My favorite number. That's, of course you go. It always there. tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We're about to put okay. an explicit on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, hilarious. I, I just can't keep those comments in. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. no, it went downhill like a bus. So, <laughs> so we definitely grams. don't we don't use enough grams. then. Yeah, I feel like we, we were using forty five. You know what? We need we need to measure that when we get home for sure. Find out. Have Have you gotten one of our coffee scoops? I do yes. have okay. that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's about. It's, I think it's about eight scoops. Really? Yep. Eight heaping scoops is about sixty-eight grams of beans, of grounds. Of grounds. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it interesting that you say about uh, amount of coffee? So I we have a um, a commercial customer that buys tons of five-pound bags from us every month, and they're very serious about their coffee. I thought. And they had, um, I don't know, whoever, the, the ladies at the office who were making the coffee um, were not making it, it was, people were complaining that it was too weak. So my contact at the business just today emailed me, said, um, how much ground coffee should we be using for a 2.2 liter air pot that we're brewing into? And I said, well, you need six ounces of coffee. Well, how many cups is that? 
That's about two point, what's well, exactly 2.11 cups of coffee. Oh, well, the girls were using one cup of coffee. I said, well, there you go. Sounds like you're going to be ordering a lot more. Double your order there. <laughs> Twice as I much coffee. I bet most people don't know no. what they really should be using. Well, there's a lot of people that don't like strong coffee. Uh, older people, especially. Yes. Our parents drink brown water. Yeah. 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 Folgers. And when yeah. they come over to our house, they're like, oh, my God. Yeah. But they also drink it all day long. True. Yeah. I, you know, people are like, you must drink your coffee constantly. I have two cups in the morning, and unless I'm having a meeting, yeah. I'll have another cup or two. I don't drink any coffee the rest of the day. If I'm out at an event, um, we've got nitro cold brew on tap. I'll have a cup of that or occasionally an espresso, but I, I just... You know. Yeah, we have a big cup in the morning and yeah. usually mm -hmm. an afternoon cup and try to yeah. get out of it because yeah. I could drink a lot. Yeah, me too. And it does nothing for me anymore. <laughs> well, it does that's, for me. that's the same same here. You know, I've, I've got to build I, I, up a tolerance to it. Like people drinking Red Bulls or something. I wish it woke me up, but I could drink a cup of coffee and take a nap. So it's, um, speaking of Red Bull, one of the, one of the products that um, I discovered when we were down in El Salvador. Actually, it was shortly before that. It's um, called Cascara. And Cascara um, is the fruit husk, the, the part of the coffee cherry. So coffee it grows on a coffee tree. It's actually a cherry with the coffee bean in the center. Just Which like I know so many like people don't know that. Is it the pit of the fruit? It's the, the pit of the fruit, yeah. And so there are actually two beans in, in a coffee cherry. Um, and the, so the surrounding cascara, um, typically the coffee plantations will discard it or use it as fertilizer after it's separated during the, the, the processing portion. Um, but you can dry it and it make it into a tea and it is absolutely delicious. It tastes, it's got a citrus, juicy, kind of a, almost like a floral, like a hibiscus taste to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we were in El Salvador, we went on the, you know, up, up into the different coffee groves and we're there picking the coffee with the workers and you can pull these coffee cherries right off the tree and put them in your mouth and it is juicy and sweet just like a, a regular cherry would be and you spit the, the beans spit out the pit. <laughs> um, but it was just absolutely astonishing astonishingly delicious how good this stuff was and so when they were done harvesting a, a bag they would load it on the truck and bring it back down the mountain they'd weigh each bag at the end of the day before taking it to have it processed the, the, the weight of the bag with these cherries in it would compress the juice, right? It was, and so these beans are all shiny and you could just take your finger, drag your finger across these things and taste this as like the sweetest syrup you've ever had. Really? Yeah, and so the Cascara, it's not a well-known product in the United States yet. I've seen a couple roasters that offer the stuff, but by and large, the challenge is um, <clears throat> it doesn't transport well unless it's properly dried and sealed. It has to mm -hmm. be at a certain humidity level and everything that. Um, but we are in the process of developing a, an energy drink product with this. 
Ah. Back room is? Back room is. Nice. And the other cool thing that we discovered down there was on the plantation they have beehives. And these bees pollinate the coffee trees and take the nectar from, so the coffee tree has this big beautiful white blossom mm -hmm. um, prior to the, the harvest season. And so the bees pollinate the, the, the trees and take the nectar and make coffee honey. And it is no. the most exceptional tasting honey I have ever had. Really? Really. I'll share some with you before you Okay. Mm. And so we are going to combine these two products into a... So you know who Jake Paul is? Yeah, I am. Well, he started on a podcast, so maybe you'll be up there with his prime, you know, doing about a billion dollars of well, coffee, I, honey, energy I, I, drinks. Hopefully I can get can his, you box? Uh, his boxing chops. You, know, <laughs> you, just Floyd Mayweather. you just got it's beat. It's interesting. I actually just learned more about honey just recently. A friend of mine who I did her logo for, uh, it's called Lavender Ridge Farms. Lavender Ridge Farm. They have an a event center. Yeah, it's like a, a little event center, and they harvest honey, and now lavender, and then sunflowers, I believe, in the in the fall. She needs coffee. Um, yes, she does. The wedding venue is beautiful. It. it oh, you don't drink coffee at weddings, do they? Okay. Old people do. Mm, it would be beautiful up there. I'm telling you, it's, it's gorgeous. They've done a phenomenal job. Yeah. Um, but they they have spring and fall honey, and I. I, I'm not a honey connoisseur. I didn't know that. And so now I have spring and it's fall a different color, at home. It tastes different. Well, it's totally different color. Hive. Yeah. And the beekeepers that, are, you know, know their stuff can tell what plants the bees have been pollinating. Yes, she knows. Yeah, she knew. Uh, I never knew any of it's this. It's like the sunflowers in the fall yeah. and the lavenders in the spring. And I mean, like, I think Blake said, our son said that he likes the fall and i kind of like the fall better if i have it on my steak i like the fall on my steak and stuff it's you're just, weird that you put honey on your steak i know it's oh, kind of so like uh, it's with like salt and a little bit of honey yeah it's like maple uh maple syrup and drag your bacon through it yeah do the it, same thing well she puts syrup on her sausage just a yeah. little bit now because mm -hmm. i know it's sugar so full of sugar um but yeah, it's pretty weird that well, I'm, I'm, you're talking about the honey. I'd anxiously await that coffee, honey. <clears throat> that, it'll be drink interesting to taste the honey that you said you've got. But yeah, the, an energy drink with that, so it's all Working. it truly is natural. So you've stuff. got coffee, natural energy drink, a, a bar. Yep, our biker bar, which is Belgian dark chocolate combined with coarse ground bits of our biker blend. So each bar has about two cups of coffee worth of caffeine content in one bar. Oh, geez. Get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who makes that? Or is it, do you make it here? No, because you, we're not, you're not we're not processed. a fully gotcha. licensed food pro production facility. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, a local chocolatier that produces nice. those for us. So I, I designed the, the molds and the, the packaging and everything. Of and course you did. That's what I do. <laughs> That's, so it's great. What's on the horizon? Mm -hmm. what, what's the what's the big giant thing that you want to do that you just haven't done yet? Make millions and millions of dollars. Go on Shark Tank. Shark Tank yeah. with your bean buggy the, franchise. Or that? Well, no. Now the energy the energy drink. I'll tell you the energy drink. 
uh, Jake, I, I haven't had it yet. I don't know if uh, the prime drink. It's not. I mean, that. he is a master marketer. You know, whether you like him or you hate oh, him, I, he is getting eyeballs on his product. Mm -hmm. And he's such a showman for sure. Mm -hmm. And there's another group, the boys watch, and it's from YouTube. They're called the Nelk Boys. Mm, not familiar. They do just same like stunts and act stupid and they were a bunch of young guys that went ballistic and yeah. they made a seltzer called happy dad i've heard it tastes terrible but they did the same you can't buy it anywhere because it sells out as soon as they as soon as they launch it it's gone and yeah. you know they make way more money off of their products because they have eyeballs mm -hmm. it's media well, what's what's the old saying uh if you can't dazzle them with brilliance you baffle them with bull bullshit yep yep <laughs> Yep. So what would you say is what would you say is your most memorable experience so far then with, with the coffee business? Yeah. El Salvador. That's what I figured. Had you never been to Central South America? Never been to Central South America, never been to Mexico. I've been to Canada, been to Europe twice. Um, but it was completely foreign and completely exotic and intriguing and we were treated like kings while we were down there. Really? And just... Did you have to fly into a, a larger city? We flew into San Salvador. San Salvador. There's only one uh, international airport in the entire country, and that's San Salvador. San Salvador, El Salvador as a country, you can fit two times into the state of Ohio. So you can get from one side of the country in about two hours wow yeah that's coast to coast coast to coast literally and so where we stayed um the 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 home that we stayed in the the fortress basically as was what it was had a wraparound deck uh, on it that overlooked the pacific ocean and off in the distance there were uh volcanoes with the our you know chaparastique in the background and just you know, every night the sun sets and watching it disappear Ooh. into the Pacific wow. and uh, just spectacular. And how was San Salvador? Safety? You felt, you know, yeah, you, felt, being an American, you were cool? Well, we were, we were, um, escorted. In, we were escorted. Um, the, the, our hosts are um, very well connected there. Um, so actually, um, Guillermo, his best friend from when they were little kids, Fernando, Fernando uh, was uh, worked with the Ministry of uh, Agriculture for many years, so he's he knows the president personally, and um, so we it wasn't that's nice. Your, it wasn't your your, your VIPs. It, we were VIPs. Yeah, yeah. So well, that's awesome, and it just it's it's crazy how that little. I mean, you call it networking, but you weren't. I guess it was that cars and coffee yeah. is a networking meeting, yeah. and you met. A guy from New Albany that is from Al that's just crazy. Yeah. You know, and if, the small world thing comes in, but it really does. And if it what a great for, connection. If it weren't for the bean buggy, none of this ever would have happened. JP Morgan Chase wouldn't have happened. Um, we've gotten access to other clients. We did a, a Ferrari event, a Ferrari VIP event at Midwestern Auto Group last fall, again, as a result of the Columbus Cars and Coffee and the bean buggy and, and all of that. But the access that has given me to another level of clientele beyond, oh, for sure. you know, walk-in customers that you would get at a coffee shop, it's just... Um, you it's can't beat it, yeah. So do you have your Lamborghini wrapped with your logo? 
No, but it was really cool. We um, so my friend uh, Tomas, Tomas is uh, their head salesperson, and he and I got to be buddies through you know just all the events mm -hmm. we did out at Mag last couple seasons. And he's it was the end of day two, and he's like, "Hey, you want to take a test drive?" I was like. Pfft. Absolutely. I got to test drive two Ferraris. Nice. Did you really? Yeah, and we're in the VIP Ferrari. They have a special um, uh, lounge area. You know, we're serving coffee to, you know, CEOs of companies that were waiting for their Ferraris that were on order. So it was kind of an event to, to placate them until their cars came in and, you know, come out and test drive a couple. And so, yeah. Good to, Dublin. Yep. That where you were. Yep, got to drive some Ferraris and get the bags of coffee in front of the Ferraris and. Surely got pictures of those. Oh yeah, you really haven't been on the. I'm telling you, I, I didn't see that one. I mean, though. she does. <clears throat> my Facebook got hacked. Oh yeah. It's been almost two years ago. I mean, we were on it on the boat on Buckeye Lake because it was before Co it was right at the beginning of yeah, COVID. Yeah, it was right during. And I get, I we run ads for. A lot of people. Yeah. So I have Facebook and Google, you know, their limits are usually once you spend 500 bucks, they, hey, you just spent 500 bucks. Send I get you a notification. I get notifications all the time. 500 bucks, American Express goes right. through. I'm on the boat and I see $500 all the time. I know what it is, it's my ads. I am on the boat and I get 1,500 bucks. I was like, well, you know, that's from Facebook. You know, sometimes they add up things. And Sri Lanka. <laughs> well, and it was like another fifteen hundred bucks, fifteen hundred bucks, twenty five hundred bucks. I was like, and well, we're on the boat. I'm on the boat. And I'm like, your ship sank. I am calling. Yes. I'm Six on the American Express. I am calling. Stop this car. This is. I am not authorizing this. I got fifteen grand right off the bat. You can't call anybody at Facebook. Mm -mm. You can't do it. I said. Stop, I changed my my card. I stopped my card on American Express. Well, her, she's got a card on it too. It's a business account. It just rolled over and started taking it from her card. Oh like no, <laughs> and that, you I didn't couldn't. Have a hotline to Zuckerberg? No, I couldn't stop Wish. it. It took two months. Oh my God! To, How much did they end up? It was fifteen. They took fifteen grand. But all of his. I mean, but all they of shut down. Accounts. I lost all my ad accounts. You know, everything had I had ever run for any company and myself. I to this day I still can't Facebook message money to my kids because my my account is banned what a nightmare oh it, Ever, was. it was vietnam they i'd get on my account and it would be all changed to vietnamese and i'd change it i, I even had the two-factor authentication i had all the security stuff they still got in i changed it and then once i had changed it they already had access to it so they had changed my email yeah. and the phone so when i'd say send me a new car you know like i forget my password it would go to them I got it, it changed crazy. twice and they changed it back. I was going crazy. Oh man. And it's what a nightmare. It's emails this long explaining what happened, why it's not. I ended up they they gave me all my money back. But to this day my my account it's like burned. You know. Yeah. She, she'll I'll he say, Did you see no my rage. post? I'll say, Did you see my post? She's like, I didn't even see it. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, like, I, I posted it six feet from you and you didn't even see it. And that's one of the reasons because that happened with him or with us, we really try to make sure people know, especially small businesses, don't use social media as your main website. I mean, there are so many people that still, to this day, I will go to, you know, go to their Facebook and then click on their website link 
and it goes right back to Facebook. I'm like, what are you doing? You're using Facebook as your- Only website. Your, your website, no. and you don't own any of it. They could shut you down so fast. Right. And they I mean, do. it's it's literally, I see it still to this day, huh. which is crazy. It is crazy. That's, that's scary. And there's mm -hmm. no recourse, they shut down. I mean, people in my business, they just, you, you can't say things like they, you can't make a claim like like we always have we do a lot of doctors and you can't like a chiropractor saying you know I can fix your pain you can't say that right they'll just delete you they'll ban your account forever if you yeah. say that so you got to be careful what you say because you usually got one or two chances and then it's just final answer you can't have it back That's you can, right. you can yeah, never I advertise lost my again personal account last last year and not exactly sure how Facebook it Facebook yeah um, I've, I had Trent Lundberg, which is gone. I now. wondered. Yeah. And tried to, you know, um, appeal and mm -hmm. never got any answer back and gone. Um, so Coffee Man is it. And then you know, I've got Backroom. And, um, well, when you also start to understand the way the social media companies valuations, it's per user. Right. How many people like you have made two accounts? My mom's got two. Everybody, you get locked out, you make another account, mm -hmm. their value goes up. Right. I think that's something to that. But mm -hmm. what do I know? A lot. <laughs> A lot. So, we hit everything? I, um, my trusty list of questions. Um, Gosh, what, this is a good one. What advice would you give to somebody who maybe would want to start up? Or, you know, not that we want people to become your competition, but if someone was thinking about doing something like that, what are, what are some tips that you have for them? Probably my, my, I don't want to say my number one tip, but I would say if at, if there's any possible way to go it alone and not take on partners, do it. Even if it means you know digging a, a hole for yourself temporarily, I found that being in business with partners muddies the waters and um, too many cooks in the kitchen, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, whatever it is, or it's it, it's a bad recipe. I've always heard the, the only ship guaranteed to sink is a partnership. Well, I like that one. I've never <laughs> yeah, that's that a good one. That's, that's, that's I get it. Even it's, you know, <clears throat> there's strategic partnerships that can work, but for, you know, small business to start. Yeah. Uh, you know, completely understand um, that. It's a daunting challenge to start a business. Um, I've got two of them and, um, you know, I tell people at this point, I don't know what I would do uh, without having these businesses because at this point I'm unemployable. <laughs> Nobody'd hire me. Oh, for sure. Um, is, but if you can possibly avoid it. We have not had a job in 25 years. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could go back to work. No, absolutely not. People you know, no way they could afford me. Fortunately, right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Unfortunately, um, my wife, she still works she's a store manager at Saks Fifth Avenue at Polaris so we you know with the benefits and mm -hmm. insurance and all that um, it's it's kind of a luxury for me to not have to worry about that um, but would not um, 
would not recommend getting into partnerships if you can avoid it, yeah, for sure. Okay. That's good. Very good. Do you have any other any other questions? So you've got the website. How do you get the word out other than I've posted on Instagram every now and then. I've tried um, Facebook ads and haven't had much success. And maybe I'm just not, you know, it, it, I'm an amateur. I'm a mm -hmm. rank amateur. Don't know the first thing about it other than, you know, picking your, your your target demographic and, you know, how far out your reach goes and how many days and what your budget is. Maybe I wasn't spending enough. I don't know. Maybe I didn't hit the right keywords. I don't know. I mean, I've gone, you know, Google search, you know, top keywords for the coffee industry 2022 and mm -hmm. things like that. But it's been a, a very um, shooting rubber bands at the stars kinds of things, you know, very haphazard. Um, so that's been my major. Um, Did you get any sales from it? Do you know? Mm, if if from I did, Google, you mean? not much. Just from the ads. Oh. Not not. Much was it Google or Facebook? It was Facebook. Facebook. Oh, okay. I haven't done any Google ads. Um, most of it has been word of mouth, been Instagram posts, been what we've been able to glean from the um, the events with the with the bean buggy. Um, you know, we had a number of people that were loyal backroom followers from back when it was still in the Trek store that came over. Um, but we've got a long way to go. So that's why I'm uh, talking to local vibes that mm. can help us <laughs> mm. up, our, up our, uh, our brand. Well, the brand, I mean, obviously the branding is fantastic. So, you know, just you got to get in front of more people. That's, that's right. That's the answer every single time. Well, what's your elevator pitch when you when you have somebody that um, why buy know, back room? Why why buy back room versus somebody else? Because we're the best. But Starbucks well, is right around the corner. Well, again, I go back to the, the, the pork rind. Yeah. You know, the, the, is there a type who buys your coffee? I mean, is there a customer age yeah, group? Yeah, what are the demographics? You know, what are your demographics? It's, it's um, customers are typically from 35 to 55. It's not the, it's not the. It's not the Instagram girls with their name on their cup. It's not the Instagram girls with the name on the cup. And their it's, Frappuccino. Yeah, it's, um, you know, typically college educated professionals they they're particular about their coffee they much like yourselves they like sourcing local um, they're not big supporters of the huge brands um, they like to you know grind their own beans they like to do um, you know specialty uh, you know specialty roasts um, so it's funny do we know anybody that grinds their own beans besides us yeah I mean, our family always Your looks at us like Kelly crazy. Is the only other yeah. only other person. But they that all I know. buy canned coffee and yeah, yeah. Those, that's and I scold customer. them all the time. I'm like, why are you drinking this? Yeah. And if Dad or Mom, you're listening, you're one of them. <laughs> I call it. I call it. What do I say? It's definitely like water. And they always know now that they're like Angie needs a different. Angie needs to brew her coffee separately, even if they. Even if I have to be subjected to that other crap, 
Um, it's like I have to do it after them because I make it. I have to make it like. Yes, put coffee in it. Yeah, way stronger. Way 69 stronger. Grams. <laughs> Sixty-nine <laughs> grams. That's just right. Perfect. <laughs> just right for both of them. Oh. Uh, I think. That's about it. Hey. How can people find you? Yeah. You know, uh, Backroomcoffeeroasters.com. So you can order directly from our website. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, if you order four or more bags here in Ohio and the immediate surrounding area, four or more bags, shipping's free. As long as you hit that $60 threshold, we've got uh, mugs for sale. We've got travel mugs. We've got the biker bars. Hold up your mug. We've right. got, there you go. That's our lovely ceramic mug. Uh, on the website. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Backroom Coffee. We're on Facebook, Backroom Coffee Roasters. Um, if you go on the website uh, or on the Instagram, a lot of our uh, posts have um, links to the products, so you can go and it'll, it'll direct just direct you through to the website and the ordering and, and all. How many products do you have? Or coffee? How many coffees? We have 16 different roasts to choose from. Wow. In, a diff in addition to the Biker Bar, um, we are going to be reintroducing our uh, canned cold brew mm -hmm. here in the very near future, um, as well as hopefully the Cascara cold drink product, uh, uh, energy beverage. Um, so there are some, some things. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Really excited for cool. that. Yeah. Well, we'll make sure that we have links. Um, links in the description. Yeah, links in the description for this so they can get directly to it yeah. and, and get in touch with you if they need you for anything yeah. as well. Uh, also, we do um, private and public, public events. So if you've got a, a wedding or a graduation special event where you'd like to have a unique uh, kind of a specialty coffee type thing, we we travel with the bean buggy and uh, nice yeah but we'll definitely put a link to some bean buggy pictures because it is oh yeah cool. for awesome. sure thank you okay. it's got a it's got a local vibe it does have a local <laughs> vibe a really cool local like, vibe like those local vibes yes yes well i think that's all i got yeah appreciate you doing that. this this is fun appreciate it was you fun. very educational now i know how to make my coffee better yes if anything hard to, hard to improve upon perfection but there you go well, I think it was user error. We weren't using enough coffee. It was user error. Being cheap. 69 grams. 69 That's grams. <laughs> so I measure it before I grind it. It doesn't matter, right? It, no, it doesn't matter. Because that's what we yeah. just measure it and throw it in, okay. grind it, and then dump it out. Yeah. Oh, we're not using enough then? We'll find out. We'll measure it. We'll weigh it tomorrow, and we'll find out. And we'll report Fantastic. back. You'll be, yeah. you'll be uh, ordering bi-weekly instead yeah. of monthly. <laughs> we have run out. Four bags. I know. You were, you were kind of in a panic when you Have you shipped it yet? <sighs> I've been I, sick. I had the order, and I was thinking that you were, you were coming last Wednesday, so I didn't, oh. I didn't oh, that's right. read the shipping label. That's right. You know? So, you know, got to watch every penny I can. Yeah. But I'm glad that the shipping. It, it made it because it's no fun to be, you know, between shipments and not having any uh, fresh biker well, blend. We will right. have to order more because we're going to be using more. Yeah. So. That's good. Well, we've got five-pound bags on the website, too. I've seen that. Yeah. We'll have to do that. That's probably it. More for less. So are we done? I think so. Great. All good. Thanks for listening to the Local Vibes Podcast, brought to you by localvibes.us, where we help small business owners like you 
Build the ultimate system that generates more leads, phone calls, and most importantly, more customers. More customers. Join our community by going to localvibes.us and add your business to our directory. You'll also find live discussions, tips, podcasts, videos, and just plain real talk on how you too can be more successful online. 